0: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down?
1: Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 63010. Well, I told you we had a killer show today. It's 134 in Edmonton. We just heard from Calgary Flames General Manager Brad Treeliving. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers joined us, as well as my play-by-play partner, Jack Michaels. We will get a Dave Tippett clip in a little bit later on. Uh, but our next guest has been on the show before. Uh, he worked for multiple years for the Los Angeles Kings in a support role. We just heard Brad talk about the importance of uh, Big Earn... Ryan McGratton and his role at the Calgary Flames. And Brent Myers joins us right now on the uh, What Now River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. He has a new book out called Painkiller. Brent, how are you doing? (laughs) Hey, Bob. How are you? Good, man. We haven't talked for probably about 18 months or so, but uh, the autobiography is out, and I'll be frank with you, I have not read it yet. However, I am told that it's one of the rare autobiographies that, doesn't point a finger at anybody else
1: other than yourself. Is that is that a fair interpretation? I, absolutely. I mean, for me personally, as I was writing it, Bob, um, uh, I looked at what I went through during my journey uh, with the – Five suspensions or four, I guess, five, and then um, I had to start pointing the finger back at me because during the, the the four suspensions, I was pointing the finger at everybody else, like it was everybody else's fault. Uh, so in the book, uh, I wanted to make it very clear that I don't I don't make any excuses for my behavior. Uh,
0: and I mean, you were suspended so many times from the National Hockey League. Was that they're not a, a thought about a permanent suspension at one point?
1: yeah so basically bob how it was is they they, they told me the the program the, the substance abuse program that it had four uh four levels or four strikes and then there is no stage five so that's a lifetime ban and uh, when i ended my game there with with uh, the calgary flames and, and mr laroque um i was i made it back from stage four and then i i i relapsed uh, approximately a couple months later which meant well there is no stage five so
0: uh you know it, it's interesting and i and i guess part of the, you talked about the journey so uh, i i know you had issues with both uh correct me if i'm wrong here but both uh, from what you've told me in the past both alcohol and drugs yeah. uh how much of it had to do uh you know with upbringing and the stress of doing the job and, and whether or not you really ultimately wanted to do the job it, like how did it all kind of come to fruition for you
1: Well, I mean, it all started uh, with my first fight ever, which was a backup goalie as a 15-year-old when I was in the Portland Winterhawks camp. And um, I got a reputation, I guess, to have a pretty good left hand. And then at 16 years old, I went to camp and, and fought the same guy three times in one game. I made the team. My father told me I needed to lead the Western Hockey League as a 16-year-old in majors, so I did that. And the next year, my dad said, okay, well, now you need to lead the whole Canadian Hockey League in majors, so I did that with 40-some fights. And I found as a 17-year-old with that role that whenever I put alcohol into my body, whether it was after a game, or on a day off, I never thought about what the inevitable was, which was coming down the road within a day or two. Uh, and it, it never shut off, Bob, because as you know, the schedule in junior is almost yeah. as rigorous as the one in the National Hockey League. So I went from the WHL to the IHL to the National League, and it was just a constant rat uh, in the cage.
0: Did you, uh, I mean, I remember you in Lethbridge, Rob Dom coached you there for a while. No one kind of towards that final year in junior, nobody, guys just kind of left you alone. You actually got a chance to play a little bit, didn't you, that year?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, in the book, uh, there's a quote in there, and and somebody came up to me, lots of people asked me, what was it like playing in the NHL? And I said, to be quite honest, I have no idea. I said, I know what it's like, you know, to put Vaseline on my face and, and, uh, you know, not have any sleep the night before a game and get on the ice and not even look at where the puck is. But as far as playing the game of hockey, I, I, I didn't know what that was like until my last year of junior at 19.
0: Yeah, 154 NHL games played, 687 minutes. I mean, you had seasons where you'd have, you know, 100 minutes in penalties and played less than 10 minutes in a game. I can't, I, I can't imme- Like, and you laugh about it now. Uh, I mean, there's, and did it ever, uh, Brent? Did did it ever get to the point where it was a common, like, from my understanding of this, it's sometimes the combinations of whatever the addiction is that's all. Like, some guys can handle one, but they can't handle two. Other guys are deluding themselves into believing that they're having one. Uh, for you, was it a was it a confluence of things that that sort of took you over to the Top, what do you think it was?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I always realized uh, when I was young, around that seventeen-year-old mark, that I was never going to give up alcohol. That it made me feel like no other feeling I've ever had in my life. And then I added cocaine at the age of twenty-one, and that just took it even. It times up by ten now you add money and you add a little bit of fame and it was it was just sort of a nasty roller coaster uh when it came to that and it showed with the multiple times that i was you know had dirty drug tests and i got suspended i mean you know out of the 156 games you know i I mean i was in rehab for two years out of that so think about how much hockey i missed
0: that's an, an incredible uh, amount of uh, time. Now, is it true you were, I I thought you told me one time, were you legally dead at one point from
1: OD? Well, I wasn't legally, what happened was I was dying. So I, I ended up uh, doing a whole bunch of cocaine one night and there was none left and some guy was sitting on a chair and he offered me to take a hit of a crack pipe and I've never done that before and as soon as I took a hit of, of the uh, of the crack, I I fell to my knees and I started to overdose so basically my throat clamped up where I couldn't swallow and my hands were dripping with sweat and I knew that if I didn't leave the house and go knock on a door and ask for help that I was that I was going to die and I did thank God an ambulance showed up and rushed me to the hospital.
0: Now, what, uh, along the way, I mean, were there players uh, in management? I mean, we just had Brad talk about the fact that Brian McGratton is someone that his players can talk to, so they don't have to go see the principal. They don't have to go see the GM. Was there, you know, was that sort of, because you were sort of the forerunner in that role at the L.A. Kings several yeah. years ago, but was there was there players along the way in your journey that tried to assist you, or teammates uh, that tried to step up and help you along the way, Brad?
1: Yeah, no, for sure they they did, Bob. I mean, there was guys like Owen Nolan and Dave Lowry in San Jose that that tried and Paul Coffey in Philly. Um, You know, there were were certain guys, but at the end of the day, you know, there wasn't a Bob Probert that that had, let's say, eight years sober that was working with an organization that's been through everything that I was going through, that was there as an independent source to reach out to and talk to. The problem you have is that any time that you're making – Um, millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars playing in the nhl the minute that you step forward and address that you may have a problem with management and i don't care what type of management it is you're putting your job at risk so in la yeah i was a a separate confident person that these guys could come to without the repercussions of me running back to management and explaining what was going on personally in their lives
0: how important was daryl sutter to your life
1: Oh, geez. Well, me and my father had a pretty interesting relationship and I, my dad passed away last year and I miss and love him dearly. Um, But Daryl was almost like another dad to me. And it would started in San Jose when I was first there, I was sitting by myself in training camp all alone when he came up and he said, can I have a seat? And I said, sure. And he sat down and he said, "Uh, I know all about you as a hockey player, but I want to know about you as a person and talk to me about what you're going through, you know, and, and, and he just sat there and listened to me for half an hour. And, and that's the way that me and Daryl got off. And playing for him, as I write in the book, there was only one coach that I would have went extremely through a wall for, and it was it was Daryl.
0: And then, of course, you played a factor in you getting the opportunity with the Los Angeles Kings as well. Is that correct?
1: He, yeah. Actually, if it wasn't for him. So when I went down to watch Kings practice, um, I was just you know talking with Daryl a little bit, and I, I shook his hand. I said, it was nice to see you, Daryl. Uh, Take care. And as I turned away, he said to me, hey, Misey, do you want to go talk to Dean? Uh, And I said, yeah, sure. And so that conversation led to me going upstairs and giving Dean Lombardi a proposal. If it wasn't for Daryl asking me to turn around and go see Dean, it wouldn't have happened.
0: We're joined right now by Brent Myers, play the National Hockey League. You spent a lot of the summers here in Edmonton, as I recall, Brent. We used to see each other occasionally at various establishments. Uh, not that we that shall remain nameless in the late, in the late 1990s. Uh, I, had a cu- I had a couple years. I think we were the same weight. The problem was you're six foot four and I'm five foot eleven. So, uh, but. Uh, no it's it's i i gotta the book's called painkiller it's it's your life story um uh mm-hmm. right, just in terms of going to los angeles uh, and there have been some problems their players have gone through some difficult times we've had guys like mike food on the show before that have explained some of the situations we all know what happened as an example with Voyanov, mike richards went through a challenge as well how receptive were the players to you sort of being that conduit for them
1: well, it was funny. I I tell another story in the book where I'm in the trainer's room and there's 10 guys in there and Joe no is getting a nice ice pack on his knee and he looks at me and he said, so, hey, and they didn't call me Mizey back then. It was Brandt, which was really weird. And they're like, hey, Brandt, uh, you know, what type of player were you? You know, were you a goal scorer? I'm like, a goal scorer? I'm like, Drew. You know, I got paid to protect plugs like you. And I knew right there that I would have I got my groundwork set out for me. So it took probably, <clears throat> Bob, about six months for those guys to open up to me. But once they did, it was just back to Mizey and just back to sort of another guy in the room.
0: Uh, do you think we uh, – and this is something that Brad Trelawney just uh, hit on as well when I asked him about Brian McGratton. You know, he just yeah. said that, you know, we. I, I think what happens is We look at players with reverence. And you know what? I'm guilty of doing it too, man. Like I sit Mm. there and think, well, you know, I, you know, I wasn't terrible at 15, 16, and I wasn't near damn good enough to be, you know, playing in the 12 team WHL and think, holy, these guys are so good at the edge, but they're still people and they still have problems. Mm. And, and do you think that's maybe part of it? Maybe sometimes the fans don't understand just how much stress guys go through and how it gets magnified because you're in the public eye
1: absolutely but again it's so hard to to sympathize with that when you're not in the bubble or in the situation with the, with these guys you know either guys would always say to me my why are you doing this and why are you doing that and why and, and all i would say to them is guys if you were me you'd probably do it too you know like who gives a kid you know over a million dollars at the age of 19 or 20 you know, with four months off in the summer with no alarm clock. I mean, it, 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 sometimes it's a recipe for a uh, disaster. And that's why with having additional support programs, I mean, the NHL, as we know, spends a lot of money on different certain things. So when it comes to the, the mental health of some of these kids that are not only dealing with drugs or alcohol, there could be other things, girlfriend issues, family issues, depression issues. Why not have an extra part of support for them?
0: i think of what austin watson went through in nashville you know there was some real uh, uh mike Danton as well like there's some mm-hmm. family stories that are uh hard uh to say the least you played a specific role and i know we had you come in studio after wade belak had passed away and we had you mm-hmm. and george in and and i and, and, and you know we know the story i mean uh basically you had to fight George in the preseason once against Calgary i'm trying to think of the year that that was in oh, five. Uh, oh, 05 and that was pretty much uh, you did end up playing down in the minors that year but yeah. th- that was a tough one for you wasn't it to get over
1: hey, uh, oh yeah i mean the, i'll never forget that day because i can I, I didn't need about three days or two days before that because I knew I had to go George. And I weighed in on the scale at 215. I I heard George weighed in at about 270. And um, after the fight, uh, when I went home and my eye was completely shut, I lifted up the eyelid or whatever, and my eye was starting to sink back. And there was definitely something wrong. And I just remember when the doctor came in and said, we have to perform surgery ASAP, I woke up. And he said uh, he recommended that I never fight again. And it was the first time in my career after 17 years where I just took a deep breath out and said, It's finally over.
0: Yeah. Uh, Are you like, we have George, as you know, on the show every Thursday.
1: I, mean, I didn't he, know
0: that. Yeah. Okay. Well, he must be the most well-adjusted. Like, not every ex-player. I mean, we, I mean, we hear lots of stories about troubled former players. Many of them have been in that enforcer role. Uh, some of whom have, I played against, Todd Ewan, growing up, mm-hmm. and. Todd was, along with Manny Viveros, those guys were unbelievable for the 66 borns that were on, the, like Todd Carnelli played on that team in St. Albert as well, and they used to destroy us, but he was a player. He was a real hockey player. Mm. And, and you, you, you know where I'm going with this. Is it, do you think it's something to specific maybe to that role? And obviously there's way less of that than ever before. So do you have some empathy maybe for sort of what, what, what guys go through doing that? And does it surprise you that there's been the challenges that they have?
1: Not really, Bob. I mean, I don't know if you read the article in the uh, Athletic today about Donald Brashear, but yeah. um, it uh, it really took me back. I, I mean, it it floored me that article um, about that. I mean, that guy for five, six, seven, eight years was a was a legend in the league um and you know it it, no it doesn't surprise me but again bob whether you're a fighter in the national hockey league or you're a 50 goal scorer you're a guy that works at uh, canadian tire trying to support you know four kids and a wife you know, we all have pressures in this world, and sometimes they're overwhelming. and especially in the last twelve months of what's happened, um, I think mental health and and uh, people that are you know turning for substances to make themselves feel better, uh, it's just a it's a good time to be honest and open about it.
0: Now, besides, uh, you no longer work for the Los Angeles Kings, I know you were uh, doing some uh, work, I think, with some indigenous uh, groups out there, and you mm-hmm. volunteered some extra time. What are you doing these days, Brent?
1: You know what, after the job in LA came to an end <clears throat> is when I got an offer to, to write this, Bob, and uh, quite honestly, it came at a, a good time for me to really just focus and put my time in on it. So I've been doing that. Uh, we, you know, we just finished. It just got uh, released on Tuesday and uh and now my plan is to spread the message and uh do some motivational speaking with high schools uh corporations it really doesn't matter who i can help but you know i i do believe that this book can can help someone uh when they're feeling like there's absolutely no hope left
0: well uh it's a it's a great story uh you did a super job with the kings Uh, i wouldn't surprise me if uh some organizations and it might need to see the economy pick up a bit, and that's an unfortunate part of it, Brent, but I could see you uh, being uh, re-immersed in the NHL with the club team shortly. We're going to get you on the show again. Uh, Where can people, painkiller, where is it available at right now?
1: Yeah, so it's available on Amazon, uh, Indigo, Chapters, I mean, uh, you know, Penguin uh, Random House. You can get it anywhere that you can buy books.
0: Let's do this again, okay,
1: (laughs) Brent? Absolutely, Bob. You have a wonderful Friday
0: all right there you go uh that is brent myers who played 154 games in the nhl tampa bay philadelphia san jose uh nashville washington boston he was a wild lefty a dominant enforcer in the western hockey i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment League in the early 1990s, and what a journey. The book again is called Painkiller. Back in 90 seconds, you're listening to Oilers Now.
1: Hi, this is Conor
0: McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 630 Chet says, Bob, what an awesome interview. Uh, Just about brought tears to my eyes. Awesome to hear Brent open up about his life and help other players and people deal with their problems no matter what they may be. Uh, Thank you. Well, we thank Brent Myers for joining us in the book again. is called Painkiller, Markinson, Albert says, Bob, uh, Brant was a fantastic guest. I'm gonna buy the book. Thanks for having him on. Again, you can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 7804960063. We gotta get rolling here. Uh, we'll tell you, Royal Pizza, Pizza past and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated. For over 50 years, Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean Chicken. Here we go. This is a this is a wild one for me people forget this as we go to list day in winter's history brought to you each day by dennis and jason laliberti and the team at new west travel here's brandon escott hello that's how you turn the mic on okay 1983 edmonton defenseman kevin Lowe scores a goal adds five assists in an oilers 10-7 victory at pittsburgh and that did establish a new club record for most points in a game by a defenseman all right, we'll tell you that uh, this afternoon on 6.30 Chet uh, 2 until 5.30 today, the 6.30 Ched Afternoons funds raised by this year's world's longest hockey game are going to bolster a clinical trial for a groundbreaking and potentially revolutionary cancer drug discovered at the University of Alberta. Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre will speak with the Director of Clinical Trials at the U of A, Dr. John McKay, after a global news weather traffic update at 2 o'clock with Eileen bell. We will have the face-off show, the Oilers and the Flames, the Saddle Dome. It goes at 5.30 for the face-off show. Puck drop at 7. Jack Michaels, myself, Cam Moon, Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins. And then we got part two of the Battle of Alberta tomorrow night. With the face-off show at six thirty and puck drop at eight. Let's go get it! It's going to be a kicker of a weekend. Thank you for everybody for taking time to listen to Oilers Now Global News Weather Traffic Update. Eileen six thirty, Chad afternoons. Jalen and uh, Jalen and Daryl after. Oilers Now with Bob
1: Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty, Chad.